Hello, sports fans of the DMV, and welcome to the District Sports Report. I'm DC Donnie, and I'm excited to bring you this new podcast covering the sports of Washington, DC. It's an exciting time in the district as we've got the three and two Washington Redskins looking like a promising team. The Wizards are boasting the best roster they've had in my lifetime, and the Capitals are set to defend their title. But what I'm really excited about right now is the start of the new NBA season, and this is going to be a preview of the Eastern Conference. So here we go, buckle up. We're gonna get started here with the All-NBA team, my projection for the All-NBA team. First at center, we got the first team, Anthony Davis, it's a no-brainer. Best center in the league, he claims he's the best player. I'm not going that far, but he's a damn good center. Next one, we've got Joel Embiid from the 76ers. Can't deny his talent. The question is, can he stay healthy for the whole year? The next center I'm taking is Rudy Gobert, third team center, comeback player of the year. He's got great defense, and the Utah Jazz are gonna be a really surprised team in the NBA. Starting at power forward, who else would it be than LeBron James? Starting power forward, you're gonna see LeBron play a lot of four for the Lakers. You're also gonna see him at the five. He'll also play as normal small forward as well sometimes. But LeBron James, number one power forward in the league. The next one might come as a little bit of a surprise. I'm going with Nikola Jokic. Jokic plays for the Denver Nuggets and he's got a great offensive game. He's a good passer, he can rebound. The only thing that's a little bit to be desired is his defense. That's something he's definitely gonna need to improve. The Nuggets are gonna be a fun team to watch this year. Definitely an offensive juggernaut. Coming in next, rounding out the third spot for the power forwards, we've got LaMarcus Aldridge. LaMarcus Aldridge had a great year last year. Much of it without Kawhi Leonard, he had to step up and be the alpha dog of the Spurs. And that fit him just fine. He was the alpha dog of Portland, uh, shared that responsibility a little bit with Dame Lillard, but LaMarcus Aldridge was very happy to be back in this alpha dog position with the Spurs. He should do really well with DeMar DeRozan, and I think the Spurs are gonna be much better than people give him credit for. At small forward, first team, who else? KD, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's arguably the best player in the world. Him and LeBron James are 1A, 1B. NBA MVP, final MVP, he's not done. Guess what, he's gonna win more championships. Kevin Durant, first team. Second team, we gotta go to the Greek freak. Giannis Atenatumpo. It'll be really interesting to see how much better the Greek freak gets year to year. He's only 23 years old and he's not getting done getting better. LeBron James has left a gap in the Eastern Conference and is waiting for a new MVP to emerge. I think that's going to be the Greek Freak. Been there, folks, but really, it's gonna be all about where the Greek Freak takes this team. Rounding out the small forward spot on the third team, also a candidate for comeback player of the year, Kawhi Leonard. He's on a new team, but he's still got the same skill set. It's an upgrade from DeMar DeRozan, and it'll be interesting to see how first-year coach Nick Nurse operates with his new squad. Coming to the guard positions, we're gonna start off with the shooting guard, and James Harden, he's my first-team shooting guard, back to his natural position. With him having Chris Paul playing the point guard, James Harden can shift back over to his natural position of two guard, don't get me wrong, James Harden's gonna play some point guard, but he's better off at that two guard position with Chris Paul facilitating him and the rest of the Rockets. Coming in at number two, I've got Clay Thompson on the Golden State Warriors. Clay often the forgotten man, because we've got Steph Curry, we've got Kevin Durant, two former MVPs, also possible MVPs in the future, but guess what? Clay Thompson there's too. He's a great three-point shooter. He's a good two-way guard, and he's coming up on his contract year. I expect a big year from Clay. Rounding out those two guards, we've got the other side of that Kawhi Leonard trade from this summer, DeMar DeRozan. Folks, DeMar DeRozan's got a chip on his shoulder. He was not happy when he got traded from the Raptors. Remember, DeMar DeRozan is an L.A. kid. He had thought about going back to LA, going back and playing for his hometown Lakers, but he decided to stay with his buddy Kyle Lowry and the Toronto Raptors, Drake, 
and, and A. That's where he wanted to be. They loved him, he loved them, and bam, all of a sudden he's gone. He's not a happy man. I expect him to do big things this year in the Western Conference. Last but not least, we've got our floor generals, our point guards. How can you have anybody else at number one besides Steph Curry? He's a former MVP. He's won championships. He's not showing any sign of slowing down. He's the greatest shooter that we've ever seen in the NBA. He's got to be number one point guard, Steph Curry. Number two is going to be a little surprise to you all. I'm expecting a huge year from John Wall. John Wall is my second team point guard. I think that he is going to take a big leap from last year. He missed half of the season with that knee injury. Wasn't himself in the playoffs. He's angry, he's got a lot to prove, and he's got good players surrounding him. John Wall, look for big things from John Wall this year. And rounding out those point guards, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard's a killer. He's got that Mamba mentality, that Kobe instinct. And I, I really like Damian Lillard. And uh, I think he's going to put the Portland Trailblazers on his back, and they're going to make the playoffs. That's the All-NBA team, so let's move on to the individual teams. So we're going to start with the Eastern Conference. The LeBron James-less Eastern Conference. That's right. LeBron James has gone to eight straight finals in the Eastern Conference. If you're a fan of one of the other Eastern Conference teams right now, you are celebrating when LeBron James went to the Lakers. We're celebrating over here for more reasons than one. I'm recording this in Rainbow, California. We're about two hours from L.A., and I was excited to get LeBron James on this coast and out of my Wizards Eastern Conference. Breaking down the East is very simple. We've got our teams playing for the lottery. We've got the battle for the eighth seed. We've got second round and out. We've got East contenders, and then we got actual NBA contender. Playing for the lotto, can't see it any other way. We've got the Orlando Magic, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the New York Knicks, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Brooklyn Nets. I can't see any of these teams making the playoffs. None of them. I mean, if one of them were to make it, if Kristaps Porzingis was able to come back to the Knicks when he's supposed to December 25th, and they really went on a run, I mean, you could possibly see the Knicks sneak into that eight seed. Uh, none of these other teams have a hope. The, the Nets are going to play really hard. They just, they just don't have the talent right now. These teams are playing for the lottery. If they're smart, they'll look to play their young kids, build on that. But hey, guys, you're not going to the playoffs. Forget about it. We've got our next tier, which is made up by the Charlotte Hornets, the Chicago Bulls, and the Detroit Pistons. I can't really see any of these teams making any noise in the playoffs. Can't really see them making it past the first round. But these teams are going to be battling out for that eight seed, basically where you don't want to be in the NBA. Because, hey, if you can't win the championship, you might as well be in the lottery trying to get better. But these teams are stuck in mediocrity, and I expect them all to be battling for that eight seed. We've got our next tier here, and that's the second round and out. Teams that are good enough to get past that first round, they might fool a few people, but they're not going to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's the Miami Heat the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Indiana Pacers. These the teams, I'm not saying that they can't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, because actually one of these teams might sneak in. What I'm telling you is they fit in that tier of teams where they're still missing a piece. They're still trying to put it together, and it's not likely that they're going to be able to compete with teams like Boston, Philly, Washington, and Toronto in the playoffs. Last two tiers are the Eastern contenders and the contenders. And I'm breaking it up that way because I feel like the Washington Wizards, the Toronto Raptors, and the Philadelphia 76ers are good enough to get to the finals. It's just they are not likely to do so. It would really take their players going above and beyond, maybe even some moves at the deadline, and they're just probably not going to the finals this year. And then, of course, you got the Boston Celtics. I feel like they're in a league of their own in the East, have to be put that way. They were missing their two best players for the majority of the season. They missed Gordon Hayward for the whole season, and Kyrie Irving missed the playoffs. But these young guys still battled. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals and played LeBron James. Gave him a great series, and guess what? LeBron's not there anymore. It's wide open for the take-in, and Boston looks to be the team that's going to step up and take that crown. 
Okay, before we're going to talk about the Rookie of the Year or my prediction for the Rookie of the Year, let's talk about the Orlando Magic. We're starting at the bottom. The Orlando Magic are actually the best team to break in this podcast of reviewing the NBA teams because the Orlando Magic are interesting on several different levels. And it's going to bring up some concepts that I'm going to frequent in this podcast. Uh, the first one is nothing that I came up with. Uh, this concept's long been known, especially to analysts and pundits of the NBA, the retread head coach and retread GM. And uh, when I say retread, I mean that this head coach was with a team prior to the team they're with now. Uh, in this case, there was John Hammond, the former Bucks GM, now of Orlando, and Steve Clifford, also the new head coach of the Orlando Magic, who has been with the Charlotte Hornets for the past five years. Both of them had losing records. They didn't have success with their prior franchises. So what makes the Orlando Magic think it's going to be different this time? So even though they're retreads, we have to cut them some slack of what the franchise has done prior to their arrival. So, I mean, we can't fault John Hammond for the Orlando Magic picking from 2013 to 18. They picked 2, 4, 5, 11, 6, and 6. So this team has selected in the lottery every year the past five years, and they've had top 10 picks uh, for those five. And uh, the last few picks being Jonathan Isaac, they picked at number six in 2017, and then Mo Mamba of this draft. And I, I like the prospects of Mo Mamba. Uh, I think that could end up being a good pick for them. He's got the longest wingspan in the NBA, 7'10". Uh, the, the former longest in the NBA was Rudy Gobert, who's also one of the best centers in the league defensively. So I think that's where they're going with this pick. They want to um, build from defense and build from the center out. Saw the opportunity to take Mamba and they took him. So the Orlando Magic are building on Aaron Gordon and Mo Mamba. It's the Aaron Gordon and Mo Mamba era. You excited, Orlando? Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, something to bring up, and, and here's another concept, and this is, I do believe, original to the show, is uh, the, revenue the revenue relegation ratings. Uh, in the English Premier League soccer, uh, or football, if you will, over in Europe, uh, I think it's the bottom two or three teams is relegated each season, and that means that they're sent down to the inferior club called the championship and then they have to win their way back into the Premier League again. Uh, it's a really cool concept. They do it by one loss record and the English Premier League. I think they should do it by revenue and the NBA. And, and here's what I'm getting at. The Orlando Magic had the second worst TV ratings in the league last year. On top of that, they're only the something like 18th or 19th largest TV market. And their deal's pretty old, so it's not very, I wouldn't imagine it would be very lucrative compared to some of these other TV deals that are being signed in New York and LA. So the, the value of the franchise right now is just a little over 1.2 billion. Uh, right now, every NBA team is worth at least a billion dollars. So the Magic are rated 19 out of 30. I mean, it's not terrible, but not great. Their their owner, Amway founder, Richard Devos, just passed away. I believe it was last month. Um, I would imagine that the Orlando Magic would probably stay in his family, but who knows? Uh, owners die, sometimes the team sells. Uh, could we see a relocation? Probably not. I don't think they're going to get relocated due to building the Amway Center about eight years ago. Uh, it's a newer facility, and typically teams don't bounce right after that. I know they got. A, I think I read they have a contract of 30 years uh, to play at that facility. They can always be bought out, but hey, we got to throw Orlando in that in the inaugural relegation revenue ratings. Anyhow, the Orlando Magic are 
going to be in the lottery for a while. They're not attracting any free agents anytime soon. And I just, I don't think they have the talent. They're going to, they're probably going to be in the lottery minimum the next three years. So if you're an Orlando fan, you might want to start interviewing league pass teams because your season could get ugly real quick. So wrapping up with the Orlando Magic, they just lost their owner recently. They've got two retread, they've got a retread GM and a retread head coach. They're led by a core of Aaron Gordon and Mo Mamba. And Vegas has them the over under 30 wins. I've got them going 26 and 56. I think they're going to be even worse than Vegas thinks they're going to be. I've got them as the second worst team in the league behind the dreadful Sacramento Kings. So we've got Orlando in the lottery next year, and if they're not careful, they could get relegated. And the revenue relegation ratings, hey, how about Virginia Beach, Vegas? Hey, how about Panama City, Panama? Why don't we go to another international, Mexico City, but uh, Orlando, you're put on notice. All right, so next we're going to talk about the LeBron James-less Cleveland Cavaliers. Life after LeBron. They had a lot of good luck. They, they, do you remember they had three number one overall picks? They got the number one overall pick for Kyrie Irving after LeBron left. And I, if I remember correctly, I believe that was actually the Clippers pick. And the Clippers sent a contract to Cleveland. And that, that ended up being the Kyrie Irving pick. But they also had number one overall pick, uh, that bust, uh, Anthony, Anthony Bennett. He was a huge bust. So after Anthony Bennett, the very next year was the year that they took Andrew Wiggins number one and they traded him to Minnesota for Kevin Love. That was when LeBron was coming back and he didn't want to have to play with that rookie. So he was pushing the team to trade for a veteran and that's when they ended up bringing Kevin Love in. So these guys had three number one overall picks and then LeBron came back. He was a number one overall pick. So four number one overall picks. I mean, they did get a championship, but this team was poorly mismanaged, very poorly. They traded a lot of picks away. They traded players. They did anything they could to keep LeBron there. Ultimately, LeBron leaves, and now they're stuck from square one, building around number eight overall pick this year, Colin Sexton at point guard. Tristan Thompson was quoted earlier saying that they're still the team to beat, even without LeBron, and that all roads to the Eastern Conference Final go through Cleveland. I don't think so, Tristan Thompson. I think you guys are going to be terrible, and you're not even going to sniff the playoffs. I mean, I've got them as the second-worst team in the East. Vegas has the over-under for wins for the Cleveland Cavaliers at 31-and-a-half, just like the Orlando Magic. I think they're going to be a lot worse than Vegas does. I've got the Cleveland Cavaliers going 27-and-55. They're going to be bad. They were turning uh, Colby Altman and Tyron Lue from the LeBron James era, head coach and, and general manager. It really remains to be seen how good either of these guys are because we all know the level of control that LeBron James had while he was in Cleveland. According to Forbes, the Cleveland Cavaliers are the 15th ranked franchise as far as value in the NBA. They're just over $1.3 billion, uh, just like it did the last time when LeBron James, I, I, when he left, I expect this number to drastically go down. Uh, Dan Gilbert, I wouldn't be too surprised if he took a run at the Detroit Pistons. I've heard that on multiple occasions. He's a Detroit guy. Um, he does have Quicken Loans that he owns right by the Quicken Loans Arena, but um, what if he sold both of them? What if he sold the Cavaliers? I mean. Are you going to rebuild this thing from nothing? Because that's really what you're, what it's going to come down to. And you've mortgaged your future away. LeBron James is gone. The, the Cleveland Cavaliers are in a world of hurt. They're going to be bad for a long time. Lottery bound, just like the Orlando Magic. These guys are going to be bottom dwellers for the foreseeable future. 
One more thing about the Cleveland Cavaliers before we move on to the next team. The, the Cleveland Cavaliers have some, let's say, after effects from the LeBron James era that, that aren't looking very good. They've got George Hill making $19 million this year and then $18 million the next year. And that, that's just not a good contract to have for a rebuilding team. They've got J.R. Smith making almost $15 million this year and making a little over 15 and a half in 2019. So they got both of those guys for two more years. They've got Kevin Love at an excess at 24 million this year, 28, 31, 31. They've, they've got him for the next five years locked up. And uh, I know they said that they wanted to keep Kevin Love in the rebuild. Not really sure why. Um, if you can get anything for him, if you can trade him and get that contract off your books, get him to a contender at the deadline, I think you do that. Uh, that, that contract isn't any good for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and, and that's why they're going to be bad for a long time. So moving on, we come to the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks are interesting. They're the most valuable franchise in the NBA, worth over $3 billion. But they, they haven't been good for ages. They, they haven't been to the playoffs in the last five years. We thought that they were turning the corner with the emergence of Kristaps Porzingis, and then he blew out his knee last year in devastating fashion. And they do expect to get him back around Christmas time this year, but, but we'll see how that works, because he, he's a big man, and those knee injuries, you, you really never can predict how a player is going to rebound from that injury. So at the top, you've got the owner of the New York Knicks, James Dolan, doesn't have a good reputation. Uh, he's actually got the reputation as one of the worst owners in the NBA. Uh, ushering in a new era, he's bringing in Scott Perry as the GM and David Fisdale as the coach. We'll see how this turns out. So the, the Knicks actually traded a pick and cash for Scott Perry, who's with the, the Sacramento Kings. And I know Perry's got a good reputation, but coming from the Kings, I mean, that's, that's crazy that you would have to give up anybody, anything, any money to somebody coming from the Kings. I mean, the Kings have been terrible for a long time. But let's see how Scott Perry does in New York. And David Fisdale is known as being a good coach, as being a player's coach. I know he's a guy that LeBron James likes a lot. Rumors are starting to swirl that there could be a real opportunity for players such as Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant to come to New York next year in the offseason. And if uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis can, can recover, and they've got an exciting rookie, Kevin Knox, out of Kentucky. I mean, there, there could be good things for the Knicks on the horizon, but, but not this year. The Knicks are going to be bad. Uh, I would keep Porzingis out the whole year, uh, tank one more year, and get another lottery pick, and I think that you could possibly see the Knicks back in the playoffs next year. But, but this year is going to be bad New York. You might as well go to League Pass and start interviewing your teams. Vegas has the Knicks at 27 and a half games. I've got them right near there, just over at 28 and 54. It's going to be a long year in New York. Moving right along in the bottom dwellers of the East, we have the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks made a major draft day trade, trading the rights of Luka Doncic to the Dallas Mavericks in exchange for the rights to number five pick, Trey Young, and an additional first round pick. Now they bring in a new administration of Travis Schlenick, who is an assistant with the Golden State Warriors. He's uh, known for his talent evaluation. He was there during the time where they drafted Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, and he was there for building championship rosters. So the Atlanta Hawks hope that he can bring the same to them. I will give them credit for going out and getting a guy from a championship-level organization, a guy who's known for talent evaluation, and he's not a retread. Uh, they're bringing in Lloyd Pierce to be the head coach. He's going to be a first-time head coach. He's 42 years old, and he's been an assistant with the Golden State Warriors, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and 
the Philadelphia 76ers. So he's been around a lot of organizations that know how to do things right. And again, I will give the Atlanta Hawks respect because there's nothing I hate worse than a retread coach or a GM. They didn't do it right the first time. What makes you think they're going to do it right the second time? I'd rather go with a young gun, a guy, an unknown commodity that has good pedigree, been around good organizations, and they can help you find that winning culture that you need to succeed in the NBA. So again, the, the Hawks are moving on to Lloyd Pierce. They had Mike Budenholzer in here for the past five years. Uh, also had that whole thing with Derry Ferry go down. We're not going to get into any of that, but they've got a new administration of head coach and GM for the new player, Trey Young. So that's what we got to get to next is Trey Young. He led the NCAA in scoring and assists. He fetches comparisons to Steph Curry. His detractors say that he's too small and he's going to have a difficult time getting a shot up in the NBA. They say he's not going to be able to defend. Uh, all of that remains to be seen. I think that even if he does end up seeking some of the comparisons to Steph Curry, it's not going to happen overnight. Steph Curry wasn't Steph Curry overnight. Those guys need time to develop, especially when you're a smaller guy like Trey Young. Uh, I think you're going to have some exciting moments with Trey Young. The Hawks are going to win some games that they probably shouldn't. It's going to be a fun team to watch, but they're not going to be good. The Hawks don't have much in their rotation. I mean, you've got Dwayne Dedman, Torian Prince, DeAndre Bembry, Kent Bazemore, Trey Young, Jeremy Lin, John Collins, Alex Lin. That does not make for a good roster at all. And uh, I've actually got them pegged for a bit higher than Vegas does. Vegas has the Hawks finishing over under 23 wins. I've actually got them going 29 and 53. Now that I'm recording this, I'm having second thoughts. I'm still going to stick with it, but hey, the Hawks are going to be bad. As we get to our next team, the Brooklyn Nets, I'm just I'm thinking about how top-heavy or really bottom-heavy, if you will, the Easter Conference is. I mean, we know that the Orlando Magic, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Atlanta Hawks, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be bad. More than likely, the New York Knicks are going to be bad, too. We'll see what happens when Porzingis gets back. But, hey, these these teams are going to be bad. They're going to be real bad. I, I don't have any of them getting to 30 wins. I've got the Brooklyn Nets getting to 32 wins. That's where Vegas has them, 32 wins. I've got them going 32 and 50. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, it all starts up top. They've got one of the worst owners in sports, Prokhorov. He bought the team back in 2010 when they were still in New Jersey and had him move to, to Brooklyn, which yeah, it was a great move. And the, the franchise has gone up in value, but they've been bad. They haven't had anything to be proud of. They traded away all those draft picks for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, and we all know how that went. We've got another empire in Boston and the New Jersey Nets. When's the last time that they took a, one of their own lottery picks? The good news is the Brooklyn Nets, unlike most of these teams at the bottom, are not starting with an entire new regime. They do already have their GM in place, Sean Marks, the guy who took over for Billy King, who made those disastrous franchise-altering trades. And then they've got Kenny Atkinson, who gets his players to play hard for him. He doesn't have a great record, uh, wins-loss, but he gets his players to play hard for him. And, and they are a bit of a wild card. They've got a little bit of talent, just not enough talent to compete for the playoffs. So the Brooklyn Nets haven't had a lottery pick in six years. Thankfully, they'll have their pick this year. They don't have any pick swaps. They don't owe their pick to any other team. And now that franchise can finally move on from the hell that King and Prokhorov put them in. Uh, anyway, the, the Brooklyn Nets, they're not going to be good. Uh, it's going to take a while to rebuild this thing. I'm thinking at least three years. Uh, the only really bright spot that they have in my eyes is D'Angelo Russell. And we're not even sure how good he could be. I mean, they, they might even look at trading this guy. 
uh, see what they could get for him because they're in for a long rebuild. Again, they're going to be bad. 32-50, and 50, Brooklyn Nets. Moving right along in the Eastern Conference, we come to the Charlotte Hornets. So, so now we're getting to a team that's got a little bit of hope. They've, they've got enough talent to compete. They could definitely make the playoffs. It could be in their future. I don't see it happening. Um, Michael Jordan, another really bad owner, greatest NBA player of all time, not a great owner. What I will give Jordan credit for is he doesn't fire his coach every year. He doesn't fire his GM every year like some of these teams on the bottom. You can't win if you can't build continuity. You have to build continuity. You need to draft in the lottery, and you need to be bad, and you need to have a GM and a coach with the same philosophy to develop a franchise from the ground up. And that's something that the Hornets have done a good job at. They've stuck with, with, with continuities with their GM and coaches, and it, it just hasn't worked out. So the new era here with the Charlotte Hornets, bringing in Mitch Kupchak, he was with the L.A. Lakers for 20 years, and when they brought Magic Johnson in, he got the shaft. So Kupchak comes in to, to Jordan's Hornets, and uh, he teams up with James Borrego, who is a, a first-year coach. He's a, a former assistant with the Spurs, so that Popovich pedigree, we'll see if it can transfer over and uh, see if they can get the Hornets on track. As mentioned before, Michael Jordan is not a good team owner. And part of the problem that Michael Jordan has is getting too involved in the day-to-day -day operations of the franchise. And uh, one of the stories that I heard is that former Hornets GM was going to pick Donovan Mitchell. That was his guy in the draft. Uh, Jordan vetoed it. He wanted Malik Monk. They ended up taking Malik Monk out of uh, Kentucky instead of Donovan Mitchell. And uh, Donovan Mitchell should have been the rookie of the year last year. It was uh, kind of BS that he didn't get it on a formality from a second-year player. But, but anyway, the, the Hornets really missed on that one. The other drama that we kind of have surrounding the team is Kemba Walker. Uh, Kemba Walker has been in the NBA rumors for at least a year and a half now. Uh, don't think he's in the Hornets' long-term plans, but he is an asset. He is good enough player to help them compete for the playoffs, but I would not be surprised if they moved him at the dreadline. Don't be surprised if, the, if possibly the Lakers. I've heard that LeBron, uh, Kemba is one of the players that LeBron would like to play with. I uh, heard that when he was in Cleveland. So maybe the, the Lakers look to make a trade for Kemba to, to up their offense and make a push and uh, you know keep LeBron happy. So the, the, the biggest thing here for the Hornets is, you're, you're going to hear this a lot, people are stuck in mediocrity, or just blow that mediocrity, and they're just not in place to get better. They did pick up a really good draft pick, in my opinion, Miles Bridges from Michigan State. I like him a lot. I think he's a really good tweener forward, uh, kind of between like a small four power forward. Uh, he can probably play three different positions in the NBA. Uh, he'll bring toughness. And I'm excited to see what this kid can do. What the Hornets are really going to need to do, though, to, to compete long term is rebuild. And, and you got to get bad to rebuild. You got to pick in the lottery. And so that would consist of trading some of their veterans that have some trade value, such as we mentioned Kimball Walker before. And so we'll see how this all plays out with the Charlotte Hornets. I don't see Jordan interested in tanking, and being that they did bring in Tony Parker in the offseason, uh, the evidence wouldn't suggest that they have any intention of tanking. But, but speaking of that with Tony Parker, uh, it makes me wonder if they brought him in for insurance for when they trade Kemba Walker, because uh, Tony Parker obviously is a point guard. He's at the end of his career, but I don't think he comes to the Hornets without being promised significant minutes. Uh, why he chose the Hornets, I, I would think Tony Parker would want to maybe try to compete for a championship at the end of his career, but who knows? Maybe it's just a money move for him.
either way, his time with San Antonio is done, and he'll be playing on Michael Jordan's Hornets. Vegas has the Hornets at 35.5 wins. I've got them slightly over, which I'm surprised. 36 and 46, Charlotte Hornets, 10 seed, exactly where they don't want to be. Um, they need to make some moves. Moving on in the Eastern Conference, we come to the Chicago Bulls. And uh, here's a team that I'm just not seeing. Ve Vegas has them at 30 wins. I've got them at 37 and 45. I've got the, the Bulls much better than Vegas expects them to be, uh, much better than the talking heads expect them to be. Um, I don't know what it is about the Bulls. Maybe it's Jabari Parker's one-year prove-it contract. He's looking for, he's in a contract year. Uh, he's looking to make his mark uh, with his one-year contract in Chicago. We start up at the top with Chicago owner Jerry Reinsdorf. He's owned the, the team since 1985. Uh, he obviously owned the team for the, the six championships in the Jordan era. This is one of the most valuable franchises in the NBA. It's run the correct way. Uh, they've got GM Gar Foreman coming back for his, he's going to be in his ninth year this year. He started with the team in 2009. Fred Hoiberg comes back. He's been with the team for two years now. He'll be entering his third year as the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, the Bulls haven't been very good lately. They've been in the lottery. They've actually picked seventh the last two years. Um, they selected Laurie Markkinen with the seventh pick that they received in the Jimmy Butler trade that also brought Zach Levine and Chris Dunn over. This year they took Wendell Carter Jr. from Duke. The big man gets above the rim, looking for some toughness inside. Uh, the Bulls have been building this team for the past few years. Bobby Portis, uh, they've got a few players. Unfortunately, they'll be out with Laurie Markkinen. Uh, I think it's until November, um, so he'll miss the first month and a half, two months of the season. But, but again, they have Bobby Portis to for, fill in at the power forward. Uh, I like this team, up-and-coming team. Uh, don't expect them to do much in the playoffs. They might squeak in. I've got them on the outside just looking in. But, yeah, the, I think the Chicago Bulls are going to be a bit better than, than people give them credit for. And they're going to be in there competing for the eight seed. Moving into our playoff teams, we've got the Detroit Pistons. I say playoff teams because I've got the Detroit Pistons finishing number eight in the East, but they're certainly not going to be a good team. Vegas has them at 38 and a half wins. I've got them just under at 38 and 44, but it's going to be that kind of year in the East, and I see them sneaking in to get swept by the Boston Celtics in the first round. The Detroit Pistons are hitting the reboot button after the failed experiment and the end of the Stan Van Gundy era. In my opinion, it's never a good idea to give one man the, or woman the full control of a franchise. It, you just don't do it. I mean, they gave him full control. He's the head coach. He's also the GM making player personnel decisions, and of course, rash decisions trying to save his job. He traded for Blake Griffin. Uh, it's a monstrosity of a contract. It's a guy who's often injured. You just don't build, you don't build around a guy. They, they tried to build around him with, with the Clippers, and they had Chris Paul, and it didn't work. What makes you think it's going to work in Detroit when you don't have Chris So owner Tom Gores is going to learn the hard way. Um, did make a good move picking up Dwayne Casey, the reigning Eastern Conference Coach of the Year. Uh, I couldn't believe that the Raptors fired him, especially with LeBron not even being in the East. But yeah, the, the Raptors fired Dwayne Casey after another sweep to the hands of LeBron James for the Raptors. And uh, not only that, they shook up their team. Um, so I, I just didn't see why Dwayne Casey got fired. But Detroit will benefit from this. They get one of the the best coaches in the game, in my opinion, um, trying to restore hope to a storied franchise. Uh, the D Detroit Pistons, I mean, they've won the championship three different times. They've won seven conference championships. Uh, they won back-to-back -back conference championships in 04 and 05. A lot of people forget about those teams with Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups. 
Uh, those, are, those were good teams. Those were teams that lacked superstars um, that came together and they won a championship playing solid defense. Um, so Detroit basketball. We'll see what's up with Detroit, but they look like they're headed back in the right direction. Um, they just need to they need to get rid of these contracts and, and, and really rebuild with their new coach. So now that we've gotten through all the bottom of the barrel garbage teams of the Eastern Conference, uh, we get to some of the, the good franchises. Uh, we're going to start with the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are an interesting team because they're such a great franchise. Uh, it starts up at the top with uh, Mickey Arison and then Pat Riley. They've been there for a long time. Uh, Mickey Arison has owned the team since 1995. Of course, he made his money uh, as the, the head of the Carnival Cruise Lines, the, the founder of Carnival, and he's been a great owner of the Heat. Of course, the Heat have won three championships to the LeBron James era with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, and then the other come in with uh, Dwayne Wade and Shaq. So Dwayne Wade has been part of both of those eras, and speaking of Dwayne Wade, this is going to be D-Wade's last year. He's going out in style one more year with the Heat, uh, so let's see what the Heat can do for Dwayne Wade and uh, see if they can compete in the playoffs. The Heat, uh, one thing that stands out about them is they haven't done much in the draft the past five years. Uh, they've traded most of their picks. Uh, one of their picks in the Goran Dragic trade, uh, one of them in the trade that brought LeBron James initially to the Heat, um, P.J. Harrison, the, the list goes on, but they've, they've traded away a lot of picks. The Heat are also the first team in the conversation for luxury tax. So the NBA salary cap for this year is just over $101 million. And the salary tax threshold is 123.7. And the way that works is the NBA has a soft cap, meaning given certain rules such as bird rights, uh, you can go over the cap to sign your own players. Now, there's also exceptions, like the mid-level exception, that you can use to add players to your team for more than the minimum contract, even if you're over the tax, even if you're over the salary cap. Uh, I think it's a cool thing about the NBA. Uh, they use it in their revenue sharing system with the tax, uh, but the Heat are in the luxury tax, meaning they're going to pay a lot more for their payroll than the typical NBA team. And they're the first team we've talked about in the tax. So if you're paying the tax, you better think you at least have a chance to compete for a championship. The Heat were in conversations to trade for Jimmy Butler, and apparently that, that trade fell through. But they were the front runner to receive him. It looked like the teams were going to close in on a deal, and that would have really changed things for the Heat. They'd be tough with Jimmy Butler. I don't know if they would be a contender. I still wouldn't put them in the same conversation as a Boston or even Washington for that matter. But the, the Heat are looking to compete this year. They're looking to make moves, and they're looking to take advantage of uh, LeBron James no longer being in the East. I've got to judge the Heat for what they are and what they look like now. They're definitely going to be competitive. You can't sneeze at them. Uh, they're going to be a tough out in the first round. But I, I just I really can't see them going past the first round of the playoffs. They're probably going to get knocked out in the first round. I just don't think that they have the talent. Vegas has the Heat at 43 and a half games. I've got them at 44 and 38 and the seven seed. And again, I, I don't see them getting past the first round of the playoffs. Moving on from one team who's paying the tax to a team who not only isn't paying the tax, but barely over the salary cap. And they, they have a very, very cap-friendly team as the Milwaukee Bucks. And I see the Milwaukee Bucks finishing sixth in the East. I've got them going 47 and 35. That's a game and a half under Vegas. Vegas has 48 and a half games. Uh, of course, with the Bucks, you've got the the main part centered around Greek. After being under the Jason Kidd and the John Hammond regime for the past four years, the Bucks keep the the main part of their roster intact with Greek Freak. Chris Middleton and a trade acquisition last year, Eric Bledsoe, 
and they add Dante Devinchenko from Villanova, the national champions, Brooke Lopez and Irsan Ilyasova. So they, they add players to a team, they're bringing in a new coach, Mike Budenholzer, and they've got John Horse coming in as the general manager. So uh, not often that we see general managers and head coaches change hands on playoff teams, but here's an example. Budenholzer led the Hawks to 60 wins a couple seasons ago before they blew that up. So we know he can coach. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with this roster. He's already got a playoff roster. Uh, he's going to have money to, to work with, although Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe are in the last year of their contracts. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, the, the Bucks are going to go as, as far as the Greek freak can take them. And I, I think they have to be considered a dark horse in the East. Moving into the five seed, I've got the Indiana Pacers going 49 and 33. Vegas has them at 48. The Pacers are owned by Herb Simon, who's owned the team since 1983. Uh, a couple years ago, Larry Bird stepped down. Kevin Pritchard stepped back up. He's uh, been with the organization for the past seven years. He stepped back into the GM role. They've uh, got a veteran coach, Nate McMillan, a guy who knows how to win. And they really had a surprise year last year. A lot of people criticized the Paul George trade. Paul came out and said that he wasn't going to resign with the Pacers. So the Pacers basically had to trade and get what they could get for him. Uh, fortunately for them, part of that trade was Victor Oladipo, who resurrected his career. He was the my comeback player of the year last year. He was great. Uh, let's see how he can follow it up this year. They're going to be tough. The Pacers, year in and year out, are typically a playoff team, uh, not a contender. They haven't had a ton of luck in the draft, although they did draft Miles Turner a few years ago. That's really been the only franchise piece they've drafted in the past six years. The Pacers are a team that are in a very good situation cap-wise. They're right at the salary cap of $101 million, nowhere near the luxury tax threshold, of course. They've got Victor Oladipo under contract for the next three years at $21 million, which is a bargain. And they don't have uh, a ton of long-term uh, contracts. They've got Bojan Bogdanovic for one more year at $10.5 million. They've got Darren Collison one more year, $10 million. Corey Joseph, one more year at $8 million. They've, they've got Tyreek Evans coming in at $12 million this year, one-year deal. A lot of one-year deals, a lot of cap flexibility going forward. So it would be interesting to see what they do with uh, the upcoming cap space. And they're likely going to be a playoff team, so they're not likely to, to hit a big pick in the lottery or, or anything like that. So th this is a team that the Pacers are going to have, and it, it's not a bad team either. It's actually it's a really good team. They did overachieve last year, and we'll see what they can build on this year. So finally, we've come with a team to, that's really near dear to my heart, and that's my Washington Wizards. Uh, I've got them performing better than Vegas. Vegas has them at 46 games wins. I've got them winning 50 games this year. That's right, folks, 50 games. It would be the first time in my fandom that I've seen the Wizards win 50 games, and I really think they're going to get there. They, this is the best team that they've ever had since I've watched. Uh, I've got them going 50 and 32, and that would be good for fourth place in the East. This does not come as a price. Many thought that Ted Leonsis would not pay the luxury tax, but he has, in fact, paid. And he's paying a lot of money for this roster that boasts John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, Dwight Howard added to the mix, as well as Jeff Green, of course, DMV native. And then Austin Rivers was added from the Clippers. The 
Wizards haven't taken a lot of draft picks in the past five years. They've been involved with a lot of trades, uh, one for a salary dump. Uh, they, of course, traded first-round picks to Phoenix in both trades for Markeith Morris and Marcin Gortat in uh, separate years. So the, the Wizards took Troy Brown Jr. out of Oregon this year. He's a small forward, uh, length, can switch, prototypical 3 and D guy. And uh, that's basically what the Wizards have been taking when they do take draft picks, because uh, the last three picks that the Wizards have made in the first round that they've kept, Troy Brown Jr., Keller Obrey Jr., and Otto Porter, all, all threes, all three and D type guys. That's where the NBA's going, and that's where we're drafting. So the Wizards are entering their third season with coach Scott Brooks and of course Scott Brooks before he came to the Wizards with, with Oklahoma City Thunder he developed three MVPs Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook and he's got two all-stars to work with here in Washington John Wall and Bradley Beal. Let's see what let's see what they can do. I mean, these guys are going to go into the third year together. Uh, a lot of it's going to be uh, how much can Otto Porter get better? What what has Bradley Beal and John Wall added to their game? And can they step up and be leaders in the locker room? Can they keep Dwight Howard on on pace? Can can they keep him hungry? This team has a really really high ceiling. So let's see what the Wizards do this year. I got them going 50 and 32, and I think that they're going to challenge for the East. Moving right along in the East to the contenders of the East, the first team we've got is the Toronto Raptors. But I must tell you, I'm, I'm not nearly as high on the Raptors as everyone else is. You've got Kawhi Leonard coming in that trade for mainly for DeMar DeRozan. They've got Danny Green coming in, but they fired their coach. And they fired a good coach. Dwayne Casey was a good coach. And he gets fired for getting beat by a legend, one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Uh, when LeBron finishes, he's going to be one of the best players to ever play the game. And, and he gets coaches fired. And the Raptors, they fired a good coach and Dwayne Casey. And now they're coming in this season with a, a new coach, Nick Nurse, He's an assistant with them, never been a head coach before. So so what happens if this guy can't coach? And uh, I think Larry Tannenbaum has taken a, a, a real risk in this. Uh, of course, uh, Masai Ujiri uh, making the calls as the general manager. He's been there since 2013. Uh, in general, he's, he's done a really good job of bringing them back to relevance. Uh, Kyle Lowry, they brought him in a while back. That was a great play. But, uh, yeah, DeMar DeRozan getting traded, man. And uh, I'm sure Kyle Lowry wasn't stoked about that. They, they're real good friends. But, yeah, let's see what they're going to do. Um, they've done really well in the draft lately. Of course, they're not making lottery picks, but they're picking guys like OG Ananobi and uh, taking guys like Jacob Podol, who was in the trade, uh, which brought Kawhi Leonard over. Uh, these guys are doing a good job. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't see the Vegas, that Vegas has got them at 55 and a half. Um, I've got them at 51 and 31 and finishing third in the East, Toronto Raptors. So one of the things when, when talking about the Raptors is you've got to get a little bit deeper into the Kawhi Leonard saga. Um, Kawhi Leonard didn't request to come to Toronto. That, that certainly wasn't his first choice. He's an L.A. kid. Uh, there's been rumblings that he would want to go back and play for an L.A. team, possibly the Lakers with LeBron or, or even the Clippers, uh, and he can opt out after this year. So that would really be something if Toronto traded DeMar DeRozan, uh, an asset, or a, a big-time asset, and uh, a proven commodity and fired their coach. And w what if Kawhi just leaves next year? For nothing. So that's something that they need to keep their eye on. And I wouldn't be shocked if they were to flip him at midseason. That wouldn't shock me. 
but we'll see how it goes. We'll see if Kawhi's camp says anything, if they come out and say that they love Toronto, that they would sign an extension, or maybe the opposite, and uh, maybe they give him a chance to, to trade Kawhi Leonard to the team he wants to go to midseason. But that's something we need to, to keep our eye on, and uh, the Toronto Raptors are definitely one of the most interesting teams coming into the season based on all that transpired. So obviously we're down to the last two teams in the East and what most people expect to be the top two teams in the East and my next team is the Philadelphia 76ers. I've got them coming in at 51 wins and 31 losses. Don't think they're going to be as good as everyone else. Uh, basically it hinges on how good is Joel Embiid, how, how, how long can he stay healthy. Uh, Markel Fultz, can he add anything to this roster? Because he really didn't last year. And uh, Ben Simmons, uh, where's the development in your game? Are you going to develop a, a jumper? Um, how much is their game going to develop? How, how much can they develop as a team? Don't forget about Robert Covington. Don't forget about Dario Sarge. They're loaded. Uh, they lost a couple guys, but uh, the 76ers are going to be a tough, they're going to be a tough out. And they're, they're a team that is built for the playoffs. They can wear a team down. But, but again, I'm not super high on the 76ers. I can see them bowing out in the second round. And that's going to bring us to our last and final Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics got rich off of stupidity. And uh, good for them. Danny Ainge did a heck of a job putting this team together. Uh, they also traded Isaiah Thomas when the stock was high and the Kyrie Irving trade. I mean, looking back, that's just ridiculous that Cleveland did that. But uh, they, they're loaded. They brought in um, they brought in Gordon Hayward last year as their their big free agent acquisition. And of course, he broke his leg. Oh man, it was a gruesome injury um, in the first quarter of the season. And uh, it, that was a terrible thing to see, but it really gave their young guys a chance to, to come up. And um, the rookie last year, Jason Tatum, was awesome and uh, really made Danny Ainge look smart by trading back. Because remember, they traded back. They had the first pick, and they traded back for Jason Tatum because Philadelphia wanted Markel Fultz. And, uh, of course, last year was only one year, and we'll see how Markel Fultz uh, pans out this year and for the rest of his career. But right now it's looking really good for the Boston Celtics. And don't forget about Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. The, the Celtics are loaded. And I haven't even gotten to the fact that they're coached by who I think is the best coach in the NBA. He's definitely in the top three, Brad Stevens. And I, I remember when Brad Stevens was still at Butler, and obviously I'm a Wizards fan. And, and uh, for those of you who didn't know, Ted Leonsis used to have an email uh, which he would uh, apparently answer fans. I mean, I, I don't know if Ted was answering all these emails, but somebody was giving a response. It could have been him. It could have been an assistant, maybe a combination of both. But I sent Ted a, an email uh, before Boston hired Brad Stevens as our coach. Uh, it, I believe it was a couple years before Boston hired him. I said, man, we need to hire this guy. We need to hire this guy to develop John Wall. Because I think it's really important to have a good coach to develop talent. And I mean, we have that now in Scott Brooks. But back to Boston, Vegas has him going 59 and a half in the over-under wins. I've got him slightly under at 58. I think that the, the Boston Celtics are the class of the East. They're also the up-and-coming team with tons of assets. I mean, it, it remains to be seen how good this team could be in the future. And uh, it could be the era of Boston Warriors and uh, maybe Boston L.A. too. I mean, we're, we're in for a treat. It's definitely a change of an era. LeBron's out, and uh, Boston looks to be on top. But guess what, folks? I got a shocker. I'm not picking Boston to go to the finals this year. I'm picking the Wizards, and I'm picking the Wizards because of Dwight Howard and his Hall of Fame defense. People get caught up in uh, the Dwight Howard saga and how it hasn't worked out in his last few destinations. 
And uh, I mean, I would argue that he, he was actually good last year. And, and the reason why he's not in Charlotte anymore is Mitch Kupchak. And he still had his bad taste in his mouth from, from when he had Dwight Howard in LA. And, and probably rightfully so. And it wasn't a good marriage and they sent him to to, I believe it was Brooklyn who bought him out and he signed with the Wizards in a, a prove it deal. He's got a uh, roughly a little over $5 million, the, the mid-level exception, taxpayer exception that the Wizards uh, put on Dwight Howard. So they're paying the tax on this guy. They're investing a lot of money into Dwight Howard. And uh, although it's not a huge investment in the future of the franchise, uh, I think it's going to pay off dividends, low risk, high reward. and. Uh, Ted Leontis and Ernie Grunfeld, they're going to get rewarded on this move. It's smart, and uh, I think the, the bad boy Wizards, as I call them, the bad boy Bullets, modeled after the, the bad boy Pistons, very similar. This is going to be a tough team, man. Markeith Morris, Dwight Howard at the post. I mean, if you come in, you're going to get punished. Dwight Howard's going to give you great defense. He's going to rebound the basketball. He's going to set hard screens and roll to the hoop, give John Wall a big target to get some easy points. I predict that Dwight Howard will have, he'll have about 18 points, 13 rebounds, and he's going to be the key to the Wizards' success this year. Uh, talking about the center position but before we sign off, Jan Mahimi is hitting threes. That's right, folks, the backup center stupidly overpaid Jan Mahimi, finally looks like he could pay off a little bit as the backup center. And uh, he's probably going to get some minutes early because Dwight Howard is still recovering from that butt injury. But uh, I expect Dwight to be back sooner before later. And uh, it's going to be interesting. This team is deep. This team is real deep. So Washington Wizards, my pick to go to the finals against the Warriors. Probably get knocked out in five games. But hey, we're going to make it to the finals this year. So join me next time on the podcast where we go more in-depth on the Wizards, and I'm going to explain to you why they're going to make it to the finals this year and why Dwight Howard is going to be the comeback player of the year. So this has been the District Sports Report with D.C. Donnie signing off. See you next time.